Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. A quick reminder that our current run of Tilly-centred episodes is in celebration of the arrival of Alone in Space, a hardcover volume hitting the shelves in June 2021 that collects together Tilly's first three books for Averhill Publishing, as well as early short pieces that were previously published or presented as webcomics, some of Tilly's coursework at the Centre for Cartoon Studies, and in various anthologies. A lot of those early pieces have never been published before, and certainly the contents of that book have never been collected together as a single piece before. So it's a tremendous collection of uh, of Tilly's early work and a wonderful opportunity to track her rapid development as a cartoonist. It's available to pre-order now, and shops are reopening. So pop into your local book or comic shop and ask for a copy of Alone in Space by Tilly Warden. Coming up, we'll be talking to Gina Gagliano, who is the publishing director at Random House Kids Graphic and formerly worked at First Second in the marketing department just as Tilly Warden arrived. But first, here's some other comics podcasts you may enjoy. Oh, we've had an email asking if we wanted to do an advert for the Avery Hill podcast. Oh, that's nice of them. Does that mean we can't swear? Yeah, pretty much. So, no words like or and definitely no Oh, Gabriel Hill comics. Yeah, they're nice. Oh, we're the Awesome Comics Pod. You can find us at awesomecomics.podbean.com or on iTunes and as the Awesome Comics Podcast and buy a copy of our Awesome Comics Anthology at www.awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com Oh, that was very professional, wasn't it? I knew that would go right. Oh, Jesus. In the monthly radio show on comics, Panel Borders, you can hear Alan Moore as you see this gradual rehabilitation of Godzilla. Sandy Toxvig. There's something about the cartoon world that, honestly, in these grim times, is rather preferable to flesh and blood sometimes. Chris Riddell. I have a draw in my studio. Um, it's the naughty draw. And many more writers and artists talking about their craft. More info at www.panelborders.wordpress.com Need a podcast all about comics topics, reviews, and just general chit-chat? Then join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, Giuseppe Lambertino, and me, Tom Stewart, at That Comic Smell. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes, and on Twitter and Instagram at That Comic Smell. Pull up a chair and join us. And now, let's talk to Gina. Hello, Gina. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Would you like to tell the listeners who you are and, and, and what you do in comics? It's really interesting. Thank you. I am the publishing director of Random House Graphic, which is Random House's dedicated kids and YA graphic novel imprint. So we started publishing our first graphic novels last year. And we publish people like Trung Lee Nguyen and Nika Song and Lucy Nisley and Jesse Zabarski and Laura Netzger and Raymana Yee and Sophie Escobas and all, all sorts of great and amazing cartoonists. Uh, basically, we publish books for ages four up to college. And our motto is a graphic novel on every bookshelf. So we publish comics for all ages within that range and all interests. Before I came to be the publisher of Random House Graphic, I worked at First Second and ran their marketing and publicity. 
And I also do a podcast with Allison Wilgus that's called Graphic Novel TK. That is a breakdown of how the graphic novel publishing industry works one interview at a time from talking with an agent about pitches to talking with publicists about getting media for books. Fully immersed in the world of comics, it's fair to say. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> I read an interview with you and I was fascinated to read about your uh, experience at, at Reed College. Uh, would you like to let people know about the, the comics library? So I, I started reading comics when I was in college because when I grew up, when I was a kid in middle school and high school, um, my town bookstore and my town library didn't have any comics for them. So I had seen comics in the newspaper, but there weren't pamphlet comics, there weren't trade paperbacks or graphic novels that I could read that were accessible to me in any way. So when I went off to college and I was looking for stuff to read for fun because I was, and I still am the, the sort of person who's like, yes, I must have books to read for fun all the time. <laughs> I went to the library and the library is like, well, we're, we're a very academic library, but we have this comic book reading room. So if you'd like something to read for fun, you could try out comics. And I did, and they had this, and still have this amazing collection of comics that they had been collecting from the 60s. So it was like, would you like to read the first issue of X-Men all the way to the present? And also all of Love and Rockets and Ranma one half. And so because those were the main things for me to read on campus, I just got this immersion course into uh, comics and the comics industry and kind of um, ended up in comics from there. Um, and one of the cool things about Reed is that I think that this library and possibly other factors or possibly, you know, centering on the library has made there be a lot of other people who have gone there who end up in comics. You know, Lee Walton was a year after me in school. He's an editor at Top Shelf. There's also people like Angie Wang and Lucy Bellwood who are cartoonists and animators who, who went to school there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, there are all sorts of other people. I'm not just gonna indefinitely list <laughs> Reed Comics college graduates, but it was a, an interesting kind of immersion into, into this form that really got me into it. And it has really changed how I thought about comics and distribution and getting books to everyone, right? Because the fact is I, think comics are great. I'm in the industry. I read a lot of comics. I buy a lot of comics, but I only got there because I happened to go to a school and happened to talk to a librarian who was like, oh, like head over to the West Wing of this building and you can find some comics there. Um, you know, and I really think that comics should not be that hard to find for people. They should in fact be in every library and in every bookstore. Well, libraries were key to me sort of reading comics as a, as a kid as well, because I was 
I think like a lot of adult readers, I was a voracious reader as a child and my mum just couldn't afford to sort of keep up with the amount of stuff that I wanted to read. So we we had we were very lucky to have uh, a library very close to us and it was a well-stocked library. But they did also have, uh, didn't have obviously a great selection of comics because there just weren't a great selection of comics being printed and, and collected in that way in sort of 1980 in London. But um, they had uh, all of Tintin and all of Asterix. So that was like, you know, a treasure trove to be able to, to dive through. And I had some sort of, I had cousins who were better off than we were and they owned all of uh, Asterix and Tintin, uh, but hadn't read them all. And I didn't own any of them, but I'd read all of them. So <laughs> it's sort of that opportunity, isn't it? It's a, a wonderful opportunity. And then, you know, particularly that set up at Reed, where it's like decades worth of material to dive into. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think libraries are so great and bookstores are so great. Like all of these places where it's like books and readers come together, they're, they're awesome. And I'm, I'm so glad that today in the US, all of those spaces are, have comics much more accessibly. Libraries have been uh, a real, I think, a sort of prime mover of the popularity of, of comics amongst young readers over the last 10, 15 years in the States. Like there's a, a really good library program and really good engaged librarians that are happy to, you know, point kids towards comics in a way where, so when I was a kid, uh, comics weren't seen as having, you know, literary worth. It was like, you can read a comic as long as you promise to read a proper book after. Yeah, I mean, depending on your, you know, parents, your teachers, your librarians, there's sometimes still that, that conversation, right? That's like, you know, are these, are these real books? <laughs> um, I mean, my, my vote is that they're, they are real books, you know, and I mean, my, my ideal universe would be that kids read prose and they read poetry and they read comics and nonfiction right alongside each other. And, you know, that parents really embrace that. As you say, coming out of, of Reed, you had this love of comics and the determination to, to work in uh, the publishing industry. And you end up at first second. So, yeah, and that was basically my first job out of college. I went to work with Mark Siegel over there. And I was so lucky that he saw my love of comics and was like, you know, you, you are a young person with as yet very few skills, but come and do marketing and publicity for us. And I started there in 2005 and, you know, started kind of at the bottom and worked my way up as the, the imprint grew and got more books and authors and, um, you know, and more staff. I read that you joined First Second six months before they'd published anything. So you were there from day not even day one day one minus six months <laughs> yeah you would have got to see the list sort of grow and grow year on year and it's a tremendous list that's been put together there isn't it yeah I mean the, the people at first second do amazing books they have amazing authors that they work with and you know they and scholastic graphics really have been responsible for transforming the industry into you know what we have every day now where they're there are comics everywhere and there is excitement for comics everywhere. Yeah, I was looking over the list earlier and I used to work in a comic shop in London, Gosh Comics. And just looking over the list, it sort of struck me 
is how much of that first second list would have been like core stock for the shop like three shadows anya's ghost this one summer battling boy like they were all things that would be on the, the central table in the shop uh, and i do the ordering as well so you know it would be a thing of like never let it drop below five copies of those books we want a good stack on the table at all times and as you say sort of authors like the the jim ottaviani books tended yeah. to sort of like be the spine of our non-fiction section and, and the european stuff as well so lewis trondheim and christoph blaine and johan Spar. like again these were like the, the you know key books in our, our european selection so it's a a wonderful range of, of, of books and, and really some tremendous uh pieces in there as well yeah i mean Everyone I've worked with at First Second has been great. And, you know, Mark Siegel, Calista Farrell, Robin Chapman, Kiara Valdez, like they, they're such good and thoughtful editors and they're, they're making a fantastic list over there. And of course, you're on the show today to, you know, essentially talk about Tilly Walden and her, her work, who obviously moved from Avery Hill to, to uh, publish books with First Second. When, when did you first sort of, hear about Tilly or, or see her work? Do you remember that? I mean, the the first time I really heard about Tilly Walden was actually when we got the pitch in-house for spinning. <laughs> um, and it, it, I mean, Tilly is so good. Her work, her work is so good. And I just, I remember seeing it and just being like, yes, this is great. Like we, you know, for a second should publish this. And also like I will read everything that this person has done <laughs> and obviously today we're going to talk about I love this part so I, I guess you sort of went back to find the backlist yeah definitely and I think what I did was I I may have just bought it all from Ricky from Avery Hill at a convention uh, next time I was at a show where where they were so yeah I mean it, it was a you know, talking about I love this part is interesting because I we got the submission for spinning. So I read that as like a full complete manuscript before coming to her early work, you know, and I, I love her early work. I mean, it, it also is really interesting because, you know, spinning is one of those, it's like 300 pages as a graphic novel, like on a Sunday is like 500 and something pages. Uh, Are we there yet? Is a, is a little shorter. It's only like 250 pages. But you know, going going from that that work to her her earlier work, which is a lot more ephemeral and and episodic, in in like a really lovely way. But it, it definitely is like two different wildly different approaches to storytelling. Yeah, I think the interesting thing from from my perspective about I love this part, and 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 as you say, the the early work in general is it, it, how you can track Tilly's rapid development and how she's sort of using the books to explore different forms of of storytelling in comics and different ways to sort of present ideas and and play with the images. I was saying to Ricky the other day, like for me, comics is a, it's a blend of art and engineering there's a you know there's a science to it as well as as a, a sort of heavily creative uh thing so obviously the drawing which is something that we know that tilly can definitely do uh is important but i think what's remarkable and something that really comes across in i love this part is her sort of grasp of the engineering of comics and the mechanics and how she uses 
designed to sort of get effects. And as I say, this is her sort of second full length work. And she's already sort of exploring those ideas and, and doing so in an emotionally effective way. It's not a sort of dry mechanical exercise. It's a really wonderful, touching piece. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I look at, I love this part and it, it definitely, like, it feels like this, like, surreal linked series of moments, right? And as you said, like, very, very emotional and moving, like, whatever Tilly is doing, there's all of this emotion in it. it you know, and that, that's how kind of the book comes together for me. It's, it's more of like a mood than it is a, a straightforward narrative. Yeah, it's sort of prismatic in the structure, isn't it? You get these moments that are pieced together that don't sort of necessarily follow sequentially. It's not, a, you know, a comic in that sort of traditional sense of the word, but the overall effect of seeing those moments in the characters' lives give you an idea of, of them as people and the experience they're living through. Yeah. I really enjoy the colouring as well. I think it's a uh, really sort of helps the sort of tone and mood of the piece which you know is also important in these things for spinning she did a, a purple and yellow color effect that was just like fascinating two-tone thing and then with on a sunbeam she did a more full color palette but it was like a limited color with two different eras and it just like came together so like in such a lovely and great way and you know I think she just has such a, a fantastic way of using color to convey mood, whether it is a, you know, black and white and a single highlight color or a, a more full color art experience. I think what's interesting as well in I Love This Part is the fact that although it's the one color that's used throughout or the one sort of set of tones that's used throughout, it's sort of manipulated in a way. So it's kind of playful in the more positive scenes and quite sort of melancholy in the the other scenes where things aren't uh, going as smoothly which is quite remarkable just sort of rereading it that was I guess I'm sort of reading it more actively than I would have done the, the first couple of times I read it where I was reading it I guess just for fun but uh, that was something that really struck me on my my latest reading looking at the early work uh, were there particular elements that sort of uh, excited you or made you sort of think about how you were going to approach uh, how spinning was going to come together? Well, so I, I worked on spinning as the marketing and publicity person. The, the woman who edited spinning and on a sunbeam and are we there yet is Connie Sue, who is the editorial director of Roaring Brook Press. Um, so Connie is amazing. And when she started working at Roaring Brook, she was like, you know, can part of my job be editing comics for first second too? And, um, you know, she's just, she's very cool. So of course, everyone at first second was like, yes, Connie, please. <laughs> um, so you know, she saw the submission from Seth Fishman, who's Tilly's agent, and also was very struck by it. And you know, bought bought two books from from Tilly, like on the on the strength of seeing that proposal. Um, so Connie is really the one who who worked with Tilly to be like, you know, how should this book be? How should it come together? What should it look like? What are we doing with it? And my part of things was more to take the book and tell all sorts of other people out in the world about how awesome the book is and how awesome Tilly is. 
And I guess from a marketing angle, the nice thing is the sort of autobiographical element, which obviously has become a, a huge sort of uh, market within the comics industry over the last decade or so. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, this, this book has a lot of different angles. So that, that is always nice for me as a marketing person. One of them's autobio, one of them is YA and coming of age. One of them is that it's a queer story, you know, telling, talking about Tilly and her experience coming out. Another one is that it's a sports book also. So it's really centered around ice skating. Um, so, I mean, I got to do really cool stuff with all of this, like working with YA festivals and YA authors, you know, talking to a lot of queer magazines, media outlets, organizations, and also like working with some different skating publications and got to meet some, some people who work in the skating field, which, you know, it's one of those things where I, I really like marketing because each book you have a different opportunity to reach a different audience and meet new people that you haven't worked with before. Uh, so Tilly was like, yes, let's, let's talk all about skating in the U.S. And then I got to learn all about, about this when I was reaching out to people to figure out how to get this book into the world. And the great thing there is obviously you forge those skating links, which you can then tap into for your next ice skating extravaganza <laughs> yep uh which was you know Ngozi Okazu's check please oh there you go <laughs> yeah it miss like usually it doesn't so much happen like that like you know you do a book you, like you were talking about Jim Ottaviani and Leland Marks Feynman before it's like you do one book and you you know figure out how to reach Feynman adjacent scientists and then you never work with them again but uh mysteriously in the life of first second they did two books that had to that dealt with um skates on the ice within a few years of each other i was going to ask you about uh your time at first second were there uh particular books that you uh enjoyed sort of working on the marketing on were there any that were uh, particularly sort of uh, fun yeah i mean we've we've been talking all about Tilly and spinning and on a sunbeam and so I mean that is obviously the the first one that comes to mind as a um a book that is really fun to to work on and you know as I said I got to meet all these people and also to work with Tilly who's amazing um you know and then with with on a sunbeam I also got to work with a lot of different science fiction fantasy news sites and websites and all that and that that was really cool as well so that's one that sticks in mind I was trying to think of interesting marketing experiences that I have had and I I did think of uh, this book that for a second did with Jane Yolen and Mike Cavallero that's called Foil that's a book about fencing uh, where we got a Manhattan fencing group to do a fencing demo at a book event for it. Um, and I had, I had a, definitely had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, one of the things with First Second is, as I say, I guess with the European uh, creators, you wouldn't have necessarily had a chance to sort of work one-on-one -on -one or bring them over to the States to do uh, marketing. Yeah, I mean, through my time at First Second, I mean, First Second has always had this 
mission to build bridges between the, the U.S. and other company countries and do comics and translation. And, you know, one of the things that's met is that I have got to gotten to meet European cartoonists like Joan Safar and Louis Trondheim and Emmanuel Hubert and just, you know, so, so many amazing people who, this, this is probably another uh, interesting thing. Um, First Second does a lot of books that are translations um, from French. And that means doing some, do an opportunity to work with the French consulate who really supports French comics in the US. You know, one of the things that I would get to do when we had a French cartoonist is, you know, to talk to the French consulate about like, is there a way we can work together? Is there a way we can bring this person here? Is there an audience that they have for them that they want to tap into in the US so that it would make sense to do this? Um, and that's just, it's very cool and fun to, to get to, to do that on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, as you know, part of your, your marketing campaign, it's like, yes, the, the French embassy is involved. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting where you can sort of see the, the sort of cultural space that comics takes up in a country kind of reflected in how uh, that country represents it overseas. Like in, in London, uh, we'd have, uh, like there's a French Institute in London, which would do a lot of sort of comics related things. And the Japanese embassy as well, the sort of cultural sachet there was very supportive of manga related uh, projects in London. And that's no surprise if you think about, you know, Japanese and French comics culture. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there are so many great places around, uh, different countries around the world that have a strong comics publishing culture, whether it's, you know, Bandesine or manga or manhwa or, you know, more you know, newspaper comic strips or mini comics or shorter comics art pieces. And yeah, it's just, it's very, it's very cool to get to see that. I, I recommend that if people, people are intensely excited about that, the Angoulême Comics Festival in France can give you a, just a great view of all the, that's happening around the world in the comic space. Let's say as well, just reading about Reed College uh, in my research for this, made me realize that there's a, some incredible spaces in the States uh, for comics now, you know, obviously that library there in the, the Billy Island uh, cartoon library at the uh, University of Ohio in uh, Columbus. Uh, and um, obviously Tilly's now on the faculty of the Center for Cartoon Studies in Vermont, which is, uh, sounds like a magical place. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's in a post office and it's just, it's such a, it's such a cool town and such a cool building and set of spaces. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely the Billy Ireland Library and the Reed College Library are completely different scales. The Billy Ireland has like its own building and stuff like that. It's amazing. Um, and it, it's an archival library as well as a, a reading library. But, you know, then there's also spaces like the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco and, you know, as well as the Center for Cartoon Studies up in Vermont, there's also different school art schools around the U.S. that offer a, a comics program or concentration that are amazing. So definitely there's just like more, more comics popping up everywhere. And as I said earlier, you uh, co-host a podcast about comics focused, uh, as you were saying, uh, very much on the industry. uh, Would you suggest that people uh, work their way through from the start or would you say there's a particularly good 
jumping on point for the listeners. Ali Wilgus and I put this podcast together to be basically uh, sequential so that the the idea is that you, you know, the first episode is kind of like an intro to should you care about how the process of publishing works if you're an author trying to get published and it's kind of like why is this interesting? What do you need to know? Like, how is it helpful to know kind of more about the behind the scenes stuff when you are yourself are in front of the scene? You know, so, and then the, the first episode starts off with pitches and it goes from there to submissions from agents to editing, to design, and then to marketing, publicity, sales. So it's, it's very much kind of in an order where you, you start off at the beginning of the process and then go on to, um, you know, the kind of steps as the process going is going forward. So as if you are like, I wish to know more about the process of publishing, starting at the beginning is great. If you are like, I want to know more about academics and how they relate to comics and how I could get my graphic novel more in the hands of different college courses, then there's an episode about academics for you to, to watch. If you're like, I want to know more about working with a designer and how my cover and interior design are going to go, there's a design episode uh, for you to check out too. Yeah, it does look like there's an episode for every possible element. And as you say, that, that sort of sequential bit at the start, going through the process of making a comic, I think even for people completely outside the industry but just curious about the workings that's going to be a great sort of insight isn't it yeah I mean I hope so Ali and I made this just because through our time in publishing and she is a she's an author and also a freelance editor you know and I've had these various jobs in marketing and publicity and publishing we would get questions from people or have conversations with people where and sometimes each other as well, where it would turn out like, oh, you don't, there's a part of how the system works that you don't know that would help you understand why no one has gotten back to you about that. It's because this isn't the time when anyone has the information about, you know, is Target taking the book yet? And what was also interesting when we made this, this series to try to remedy that is that every episode we'd have an interview and someone would say something and we would be like, what? <laughs> That's how this works? I mean, there's just so, so much about publishing and so many different jobs and so many things all the time that, you know, everything is, is changing in different and different places and people think about it differently. So uh, it's just very cool. It's, a, it's such a fun industry to work in. Your podcast is called Graphic Novels TK, and I'm guessing it can be found wherever people get their podcasts. Yes, it can. It, you can find it on Twitter at, at Graphic Novel TK, or it's also hosted on The Beat. This being a Tilly Walden episode, I can end just by saying that Tilly is awesome and it's fantastic to work with her. And, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad I got to work with her on um, her work, which is so queer um, and also really centering women, um, which, you know, the, the comics industry has its, you know, interesting and storied history of who, who it's centering. And I, it's just, it's amazing. And, you know, 
liberating and a step forward for the industry to have Tilly be making these stories uh, with such amazing and strong queer female characters. Gina, thank you so much. Thank you, Stephen. It was great to get to talk all about Tilly, who is fantastic, and to get to meet you and talk to you too. Thanks again to Gina for talking to us, and thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.